Lord, I, I pray, God, that you would make these scriptures come to life, Lord. There's so much richness um, in these seven woes where people may not understand it or see it. Lord, because it, it comes out kind of harsh. But Lord, I, I knowing you, uh, the, the time I've known you, Lord, I know your heart and um, what it is you're trying to communicate. And Lord, your salvation is so great and so amazing. Lord, it's hard for people to understand how good it is. Lord, and uh, there's so much in the world that people put confidence in themselves. Lord, so much religion, even within Christian, Christian circles. Lord, that the preaching is about yourself and what you can accomplish and gets getting a little better. And Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would um, make these scriptures and the power of the gospels come to life. That you bring power to them and Lord, bring life change. I don't want to waste my time just talking and blah, blah, blah. Lord, change hearts. Lord, make your words have life that they wouldn't have unless you're in them. Lord, so I just uh, commit the speaking, the preaching, and the, the life change and how you follow up, Lord. I leave it up to you. And I trust you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my sermon is on the seven woes. Sorry. And how many have heard of the seven woes? Raise your hand if you've heard of them. Okay, it's one of Jesus' sermons. And, oh boy, this is, a, you know, he, he has some really encouraging sermons. And this one is encouraging if you'll look deeper. Um, Paul once said to his disciples, he says, you know, I have authority. You may not know it. But I actually do have authority in the Lord with you. But it's not authority to tear you down. It's authority to build you up. And the Lord takes his gospel real serious. And uh, so did the Apostle Paul. I mentioned before in Galatians 1, and many of of you have probably read before, in Galatians 1, he says, if anyone comes to you preaching a gospel, a message, a good news message, eulogio, uh, uh, this message, any kind of message that's not the message that you heard from us, the one where Christ is clearly portrayed as crucified, that being the message. Anyone comes with something else, you know, let him be cursed, accursed. You know, in the Greek, it's anathema, you know, to, to be, let them be, this, this is like a, just the worst thing, like, you don't want that. We don't want to be preaching anything other than the gospel, Amen. The gospel is what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Religion is what we, if we all want to come here and gather to see how great we are before God um, and do a little kumbaya and kind of demonstrate to God how perfect we are, you know, I don't want to have any part of it. Because let he who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, it's God who brings redemption. Just hearing your guy's story, I, I hear God in the midst of that. You would have been dead and in prison and who knows where you'd be. You know, had not the Lord intervened in your life, even when you didn't expect him to or think he would, he came in. I look at, you know, sometimes God answers the the wee littlest prayers that I pray and I think, I watch him move and I go, you answered that little pathetic prayer. 
Like, I can't believe you answered that little puny, little pathetic little prayer. Like, I barely had any courage to pray that at all. And, and, you, and, you, and I, saw, I see him do it. And it's not just that it's coincidence. Because I, I get God touches me in a way that he shows me that he did it. Almost as if he's saying, imagine if you really believed all of the promises. What would you pray like? What would you act like? What would you be like? You know, what would you think like? And of course, the natural religious man says, well, then I'll just start thinking like that. And I'll start believing like that. And trust me, if you're a young Christian, even if you're old Christian, that's a dead end. You need the Lord to build faith. To each one, he's given a measure of faith. God is the giver of gifts. He is the one who's sovereign over all things. We can turn to him. But we understand that it yields from him. It flows from the throne. And there's no you know, spigot that gets turned off or turned low. God just knows the recipient of our heart, you know, how open it is. And he also is the one who opens it. And it's good to know that God is bigger than us. Amen? Amen. And I, I couldn't preach another God that was smaller than us, that was dependent on us. Um, this, our God is greater than that, which brings me to the woes. I, I think it, it doesn't just apply to the Pharisees. Just say, say, it applies to me too. Just say it. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you have a religious background or not. There are several ways that even the, the uh, disciples themselves get caught up in these things, in these woes. And they're not, they're religious, they're Jews, but they're not pharisaical. They don't have the upper echelon background. They're more the, the poppers, not the poppers, <laughs> the prince and the pauper, <laughs> A.U. popper. Yeah, the, you know, where, where they, they weren't necessarily the rich and the elite, you know, but the Pharisees definitely came from astute families and, you know, through generations have kind of earned their way into the culture. And we have that in our society too. And, you know, Jesus gives them these woes, you know, eight times he rips into them. I mean, he rips into them. He name calls. It's one of the few times in scripture where, where Jesus Christ, the God incarnate, the word who becomes flesh, name calls the Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. You know, you hypocrites, woe to you hypocrites. Hypocrites, Hippocrates is a Greek word that means stage actor. It's in, in the Greek theater, it, the, the hypocrite was the one who was the actor, who played the actor, which is fine if you're acting. But he was saying, you're play acting in your normal life. You're, you're pretending you're something that you're not. And, and, and you're, you're a hypocrite. Um, he calls them seven times blind guides. Blind guides, like you guide people, but you can't see. Like you, you don't see, but, you, but you're telling everybody what to do and how to do it. Uh, uh, two times he calls them fools and blind, and then two times just blind. Like fool, that's, that's the word for stupid. You know, you're, you're a fool. You know, you're a fool. And, and imagine going to these guys who had studied the law. I mean, in sincerity, the Pharisees and the Sadducees knew the law. Paul even said that he was legalistically righteous. He, he felt that he had done those things, but he had not caught the heart and intent of the, the meaning. And that's how it is with religion. You do the things that you're supposed to do, but you don't really do them in the heart of God. 
My, one of my pastors, Daniel, he, some of you probably have met before, he always said to us, never use the word of God unless you have the heart of God. The scriptures aren't there to just cut people up. They're there to build them up. Don't just throw out scriptures, you know, to kind of, as a weapon, you know, that won't return to me void. So you kind of twist the scriptures. Satan did the same thing. You know, go ahead and jump, Jesus. You know, that's what the scripture says, doesn't it? He's like, you know, you, you don't even understand the depth of it. And he goes to the Pharisees, you're fools, you're blind guides. You don't know what you're doing. And we're going to go through some of these. And then he calls them whitewashed tombs, which I'll get into. And then he finishes with the finale of brood of vipers. That's like the offspring. You're like the offspring of snakes. That's what you're like. Like the, uh, in, in John 8, he calls them, you know, your sons of your father, the devil. You know, he, he's the father of lies and you're just like him. And I, I looked up this, this word woe and just gave you a few of the de- definitions here. It's, it's all syllables in the Greek. It's O-U-A-I-O-I. O-A-I is how it's pronounced. It's misery, sorrow. He's going to say woe to you. And it's not like he's just saying, hey, I want to put a curse on you. This, you're just living fine, but here's this curse on you. No, this is like, this life brings misery. It brings misery. It just brings outside shine, but inside it's death. There's no life in it. All you do is get a self-satisfaction. It's a woe. It's sorrow, Misery, distress, wretchedness, sadness, unhappiness, heartache, despair, depression, regret, gloom, doom, misfortune, hardship, disaster, suffering. Look at the antonyms. Joy, happiness. It's the opposite of what God is. It's woe. Woe to you. And I, and I, did, I did a little digging just in the Old Testament just to clarify what, how the Old Testified clarified it, and it clarifies it with the Proverbs 6.16, which you might already know. But here we have, woe to you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Well, in the Old Testament, God does the same thing with seven things. He says, there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. If you have a King James, it'll say that are an abomination to him. Seven things, seven things. And then, and then when you look at them, and I'm just going to touch on them, but I, I want you to see this. What does God hate? And, and you might sit there and go, oh, God hates me. Listen, if this was the only scripture that was in the Bible, yes, then he hates your guts. But thank God we have the gospel of Jesus Christ too and the mercy of God, which he says rises above it all. Amen? Amen? Amen. So the love of God does not play you know, subservient to what God detests. But it's haughty eyes. Haughty eyes. It's like, it's pride. I know, I know. Haughty eyes. Think about it. When you're haughty, there's two sides of it. First of all, you don't know who you are because you don't know yourself because you don't see your own flaws. There's a haughtiness. You you don't see it. And if you don't see your own flaws, you're haughty because you don't. The other side of it is you don't see who God is. Anyone who's in a works-based religion has never seen God. Because God is so much more holy and pure and righteous than you could ever imagine. Has anyone here had an encounter with the living God? 
when he touches you and you go, whoa, and you cannot believe the intensity of that purity. It is stunning how incredible God is. How many say amen? amen. The, the, I mean, seriously, the who, who God is, is just it's so overwhelming. How could you walk away from it? And, and haughtiness, you think you're something. You obviously don't realize how God is. And the haughty eyes thinks that that state of you knowing everything and there is really no God that you can imagine and you state your opinion about the world to people. There is no God. Let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you about life. Let me tell you about stuff. Hey, come over here and listen to me. Let me me tell you about it. It's haughty eyes. The Lord hates it. It's an abomination to him. He detests it. You know why? Because it separates you from God. It separates. A lying tongue. You know, a person who's not straight, a person who's haughty is going to fall short just like everyone else, but they're not going to say it. You know, hands that kill the innocent, taking advantage of those who are in a weaker position. A heart that plots evil because haughtiness drives itself. Haughtiness doesn't go, Lord, what about my life? It says, I will drive my life. What do I want? What do I need? And that's how it drives itself. Feet that race to do wrong. It's like, oh, there's an opportunity? Let's do it. Let's jump at it. And a false witness who pours out lies. It wasn't me. It was him. No, no, no. It was, I didn't do it. It was him. I, I do counseling. You know, sometimes you know, family counseling and you can hear it. You know, one person will go, I, I, well, it was mostly him. And then another person goes, no, mostly him. And then another person goes, well, it was me. I'm going, oh, so one righteous guy. Got to work on the other two. <laughs> How many say amen? They don't realize that they think everyone, th- oh, so the pastor sees that it's him. I'm going, no, I just see that he's the only one who will confess his sin. Because <laughs> if you all confessed your sin, can I tell you what would happen? We wouldn't have the family counseling. That's so true. <laughs> you know, you have like how to have a good marriage. Want to have a good marriage? Be a good Christian. Walk with God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Am I just doing a lousy job up here? Because I think I'm doing a good job. You are. <laughs> I, I, feel, you know, I feel like the scripture just nails it. You know? And a person, and and look at this last one. This last one kills me. A person who sows discord in a family or in a group. It's like you you bring separation. That's, God hates it. Just say, just say, God hates it. God hates it. That's where we are. God hates it. Now, I'm going to get to the woes now. We're going to get to the heart of this, okay? Now, I know that our tendency, me too, is going to be this sermon is for everybody else. I want to encourage you, say, this sermon is for me. This sermon is for me. Amen? Amen. The, ser- the sermon is for me. It's for me. I need to go. As I was going through the scripture, God kept showing me, that's you. And that, here, this is how it's for you. And this is how it's you. Just pointing little things out, not to condemn me, but to go, Eric, so you can grow. Okay, number one, I'm going to go through seven things here. Don't be a champion of misery. Misery and woe walk hand in hand. Don't be a champion. Now listen, 
Woe to you. In other words, you're the one who makes it happen. You're the propagator of it. You're the promoter of it. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Here's the first one. You and Pharisees. You hypocrites. Okay? You're a bunch of stage actors. You guys pretend stuff. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. So there's something about it where you... You, your haughtiness is not accepting the goodness and grace of God. So you think you're something. And then you set the bar so high that you don't let anyone else enter because you're not living up to the bar, but you're going to make everyone else live up to the bar. I, I see some people, and they go, they, they say, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to share Christ with people. And they go, good. What'd you tell them? Well, I told them they need to stop smoking weed. Or I, I told them that they need to, you know, start doing this, and they start giving their list of stuff. Y- you know, the first thing I did after I got saved is I got drunk. I mean, it's the first thing because I wanted to see if God was still going to be there. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but that's the first thing I did. I, I got saved, and God touched me, and I, and I literally went to the bar, and, and I talked to the pastor, and I called him up, and I said, listen, and I go, is God going to just kill me now if I have a drink? Because I have to drink. And he goes, no, God's not going to kill you. And I said, good. <laughs> Wham. And I'm telling you, I was on my fourth Long Island iced tea, and God sobered me up in one second. It was a divine act. He literally touched me, and I was straight as can be. And I looked around, and I go, what happened to Long Island iced tea? I'm totally straight. You know? And I was thinking, what happened? And the Lord said, you don't need this. You don't need this, and I won't leave you. And I thought the Lord would leave me because my prayers were so full of swearing. You, you know what I mean? Because you know, there was a lot of words that I thought, well, those are my words. I don't have any other words. <laughs> you know? And Jody, would go, I'd be going, God, you're so... I can't believe you're... Like that. And Jody goes, you can't praise the Lord like that. And I go, well, if God isn't... No, then I don't know what he is. <laughs> you know? And, and Jody goes, well, God will, God, let the Lord will work on the inside. And just the fact that God brought Jody in my life, do you know that God knows the right people to bring to you at the right time? You know, just at the right time. God is good. You shut the door. Imagine that your religiosity, my religiosity, shuts the door for people because they never hear what the good news is. They never hear what the gospel is. Here the Son of God is standing before them and they're rejecting him. They're saying, we love God. This is why we do it. Jesus, get the heck out of our way. What? It's like telling your wife, I love you. Now get the heck out of my way. Who are you? It's just not true. They don't enter... Like, you're not going to accept the grace, and you're not going to let anyone else accept the grace um, either. Number two is then they became evangelists of, minis- of misery. You know, they started evangelizing. You know, the Jews, they, they went all the way over to different parts of the country with their robes and their righteousness to try to convert people into, do you want to live like this? And I know Christians like that. It's kind of like, here's the Bible, our Christian code of ethics. Would you believe the Bible? 
hmm, let me see if I will, let me look at your Bible. Let me see if I will live up to these code of ethics. Um, Let me read one proverb. No, I cannot live like that. Thank you very much. Really, is that how you came to Christ? God gave you a Bible to see if you could live up to it? Seriously? No. No. You knew you were a loser, didn't you? When you came to Christ, didn't it all of a sudden dawn on you? Man, I'm a bigger loser than I thought. But but God has this incredible way of showing you're a loser and showing you you're totally precious in his sight. And that he can restore you and that there's deep value and wealth in you. You're a loser. Look at what you propagate. But you are so valuable in what you're made to be. Only God can do that. It's a supernatural thing. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel all over land and sea and win a single convert. Like you go all the way over there. And and you finally win one. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Wow, that is so amazing to me. Jesus has got guts, doesn't he? He's got guts. I mean, the thing is, do you understand that he's coming against the whole religious establishment who is going to end up killing him? And that's his objective? Not to stir them up, but to pay the price for us. What an incredible thing. Instead of sons of God, they're sons of hell. It's like the, the tongue of fire is burn, burning from hell itself, the Bible says in the book of James. It brings death, destruction, bringing down people, you know, bringing people down with your tongue, with your words. That's from the, from the fires of hell. You know, setting up a legalistic righteousness and then converting people to it and then making more of you that we are just like this and this. And, and sometimes I'm so embarrassed by Christianity I mean, as, as someone who was an atheist and came to Christ, and I sometimes watch rep, so-called representatives of our movement on TV, and I go, man, you look like such a jack. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it, but Christianity, the way that it works, let me tell you about this little doctrine here. I remember four, five, six years on this scripture says this, and blah, 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 blah. You're boring us to death. Oh my gosh, you're boring us to death. Where is the power of God? And I'm serious. And then there are those that go, we believe in the power of God, nothing but the power of God. And they're just imitators. You know, they imitate the power of God. It's like, I saw this happen, now I'll do it, imitate it. God is fresh, do you know that? God doesn't have to do anything twice if he doesn't want to. He can do everything brand new. He is super creative. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I had so many funny things in my head. <laughs> I better skip that. <laughs> no, I can't skip it. <laughs> you know, I, I, heard, I was watching some Christian pastor, and he was in his in his good intentions, he was trying to defend the triune nature of God. And, and, I, and I felt like, I go, man, you're, you're making it, he's pulling out these scriptures and stuff rather than just talking about the nature of who God is. 
And, and I was thinking, we can't fail our world. We can't, we can't, this is our hour. This is our moment. We can't let down our world with just, well, this is kind of what it is. We cannot hide behind our religiosity and be inauthentic. We are sinners saved by grace. You know? This pastor, I know he was good intention, but he was trying to argue that his moral code was higher than the world's moral code. And and he was trying to say that he kind of sort of lived up to it. And what I wanted to do, just walk up there and go, you are a liar. That's what I wanted to do. But I know that the whole Christian world world could be, in the news would be, Eric Van Ree, mean pastor, comes out. I don't know, it'd be written in the news. That's why I can't have my own talk show, because, oh my gosh, I would just be ripped to shreds. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. Listen, they were also mentors of ministry. Mentors. Listen, woe to you blind guides. I want to guide you in the way to go. This is how you do it. And and they, they had these little things. This is one of their sayings. There's like four or five of them in the New Testament, or just in the Gospels themselves here in Mark, or Matthew, I'm sorry. But where, where, you know, if you do this, and if you do that, then God will do it. But if you do this, and then you do that, then God won't do it. And it just becomes kind of like the formula. You know what I mean? Like, you know, call into this Christian TV station, and, you know, and get this handkerchief that has the sweat of, you know, Bob Harkadaki, whatever, and just make up a name. And if you get it, man, there's some power in the sweat. Or there's some power in the beads. Or, you know, someone offered me water from Israel. I don't give a rip about water in Israel. For crying out loud, I have the Holy Spirit of God. That's water from the heaven. Amen? Amen? That's living water. You know, there's some water, you know, that's from the, I mean, I get it. It's historical. But they would have, if you prayed to the temple and you made an oath to the temple, you know, Basically, they would say, well, you don't have to keep it. But if you give it by the gold of the temple, then you do. And Jesus says that anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. He's basically saying, you blind idiots. How dare you take my good news of gospel, the powerful God who has brought salvation and is on his way to bring you complete deliverance and relationship so you have them and you're giving them some little, you know, trinket, you know, witch doctor sort of solution. You know, just like, you know, if you pray every morning these three steps, then this is what's going to happen. And there's nothing wrong with some logical consistency to help give you a guide. But those three steps don't save you. The cross does. The cross gives you access. Nothing else gives you access but the cross. No cross, no access. Got it? End of story. You don't have the cross, Jesus paying for your sins, then all your sins are on you and God won't listen because you are separated. End of story. But because of the cross, you're accepted by God. What's the big thing about Jesus? Can't it be Bob or Muhammad? No, it cannot be either, especially Bob. Okay, it just cannot be him. You blind fools. 
Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold, the gold sacred? And I can imagine some religious person seeing this. It's the temple that's more sacred. That's right. So now, if you come in here, you know, you have to put hands on the wall and say an oath to this temple. If you finish the whole story, who becomes the temple of the living God? Say, we are. We are are the temple. It's what's sacred. We are sacred. We are made in the image of God. We're the ones being redeemed. God didn't come to redeem the trees. The trees are going to burn. Right? And he loves the trees. We'll get new trees. But guess what? We, oh, there's only us. We have eternal life, no matter what. We're going to live forever because we're made in the image of God. It's just with him or without him. I want to live with him. Amen? Gosh. This false religion focuses on and it mentors superficial distractions. I'm going to skip that one. Okay. Don't be a legalist of ministry. Misery. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Can everyone say you hypocrites? You hypocrites. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. I mean, it's one thing we are giving. You're going, okay, uh, Lord, a tenth of what you have. They, they were just, everybody was doing that in those days. Every, everyone from the Jewish community, that was just a requirement. That's what you did. It goes back to Malachi, you know. But they were going beyond that. Every single thing, they were meticulous about it. Man, we, you want to be right with God? Well, you're this right, I'm this right. You know? I, I, I met this gal, Jody and I both knew her. She, she, she prayed, she would pray over which orange to take when she was at the grocery store. Lord, show me which orange I need to take. So I had to chuckle because she didn't get seriously hurt, but she did get in an accident while she had her eyes closed worshiping the Lord on the road. And, and I was thinking to myself, how are those oranges now? You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean it to be mean, but, I, but come on, You're, you start to put your hope in, in, in your ability, we want to put ourselves over, you know, Pete and I, you know, who plays guitar here all the time, you know, he's one of my best friends, and we, we both, we played in a band together for a long time, and the minute we became Christians, we turned all our music into Christian music, we just changed the lyrics, and it lost its magic, because God was like, no. Yeah, but Lord, we're rock stars. Now we're going to be rock stars in the Lord. No, now you're going to give up everything and follow me. What? I remember I was working in a recording studio. Great one, but we built ourselves from the ground up. We'd, it's just been, God did some, I mean, God did some really great things in the midst of that, but I remember him told me, he goes, this isn't the life for you. I've got something else for you in this next season. And I heard him clear as day. So, of course, I ignored him for several weeks. <laughs> and I kept asking people, do you think God wants me to stay here or not? I was waiting for someone to tell me, no, that wasn't the Lord. <laughs> and the more I asked people, they go, well, I don't know. Did, did you pray about it? 
I'm going, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear something like, no, you should stay here. And I remember God was like removing the feeling of his spirit because he's never going to leave me to our hair man. God's never going to leave me, but he removed the feeling of him being in me. And I remember just sitting there and I went and I was in the bathroom of the studio and I bowed my head down and the Lord said, are you ready? And I said, yes. I go, Lord, I've poured so much into this. And he says, I know. So I want you to let it go. Let it go. I got you. And I walked out of that studio and I quit. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done up to that point. Life is full of surrender. You said you got to surrender to the Holy Spirit. It's hard, especially with addiction because it just grips you. It just it gets you right there. You know what I mean? And it holds on to you and it says that you need me. You, I need, you need me. But you got to let it go. The important matters of the law are justice, mercy, faithfulness. Justice, like do some right things. Be a right person. Be, can everyone say mercy? Mercy. Love covers over a multitude, a ton of sins. Right? All the sins and blasphemies will be forgiven men. But no, we got to make sure we got the tent exactly right and accurate and everybody follow it. Did you get your tassel? Yeah, make sure that you put your tassel here where you're wearing, okay? Getting everything just perfect. He says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. I think this sums it up. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Can I have the communion people come forward? Do we still have the communion? We're going to take communion here. I'm not going to get through all of them, but I'll just say this one. While you're doing it, I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up here because of time. It's a hypocrite of misery. I'm just going to read some of these. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Outside, you look good. You got the right clothes on. You know, you got, you know, it's just physically, you know. I, I, we live in a culture today where people are trying to chisel themselves. You, you know, and, and it's, it, it's because it makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel good about my life. And there's nothing wrong with health. It's, it's a good thing. But there's a point where it gets, you, you want to look good like you got everything together. It's like you, you got your suit on and everything. Go ahead and pass it out too if you want. We're gonna, I'm going to lead us in communion here. On the outside, you look good. How are things going? You go, man, things are going awesome. I'm doing really great. Everything's going fine. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah oh yeah. Oh yeah, doing good. But inside, you know that the minute it's nighttime, you're struggling through things at night. You're tortured inside. You're struggling with sin. You're struggling with addiction. You're struggling with pride. You're struggling with depression. Some, some of you are struggling with cutting. You know, it's like you don't need to cut yourself. Jesus was already cut up for you. He was already, it's, cutting becomes just a source of pride. Where you have to torture yourself to feel. Because you think that your own crucifixion, in a sense, will bring about 
salvation and it won't. How many say amen? If you do, don't be condemned. You're forgiven. You know, let the Lord heal you on the inside up. I'm just going to stop here. How many still got something out of today? Come on. I, ho- I hope you did. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this for later because um, I think there's some, too many deep things to get covered in this. The Pharisees and the religious today and within us, our own religious, it's not just, and we have the LDS religion around us where we know and they would admit that they're a work-based religion in the sense of that if you do these things, then you will be saved or promoted or moved high. You know, they take 1 Corinthians. Well, they don't take it from there, but they reinforce it with Corinthians. It says, Paul said, I saw, got caught up in a third heaven. They say, see, there's three layers of heaven. And Paul's talking about the atmosphere that he sees, and not only that, but not just the stars, but that there's a transcendent heavenly place. He's not talking about three levels of progression. But the ultimate thing of religion is not that you are walking in pride that you can't see yourself or you're walking in pride and you can't see God. But you start to think that you yourselves are God. That you are somehow worthy of some kind of exaltation. And the Lord says you're not. We're only found worthy in what Christ has done and that's what communion is. The communion isn't our body like, oh, I'm taking my body and I'm breaking it. No. Jesus says, say it with me, say, this is my body. Can you guys bring me up a bread and can you guys bring me up one of those if you could? Awesome. Is everyone already got? Raise your hand if you got one. Okay, good. Communion is my favorite thing. I actually wrote a, a song that I think God just totally gave me for communion. I'm not going to sing it today, but... I'm going to sing it the next time we do. I totally think it's from the Lord. Because I love communion so much because it reminds me of my great salvation. Just just hold up the bread for a second, would you? You cannot save yourself. This is what communion is. It's his body broken for you. For your sins. For your weakness. This is everything. Your sins paid for. This is forgiveness, redemption. This is his body busted, cracked, broken so that you will not have to pay for your consequences. This is what it is. And so that's why it's not just some bread and it doesn't have any yeast in it. It's yeast free because yeast represents sin. It's a sinless bread. Just point to your own body and say, my bread's got yeast. You got yeast. So your sacrifice won't do any good, right? So it doesn't matter how religious you are, it won't do any good, but this one will. This one was broken. This is my body, Jesus says, broken for you. Can you take it? Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm saved. Say, thank you. I'm saved. Mm. Ah, it's good. My sins are, my sins are paid for. Just, mm. uh, I see in the eyes of the Lord a loving God. That's a loving God. I didn't eat Jesus Christ up. I, I ate what he represented for me. And his blood was poured out. The death was secure. So sin was paid for and completed through the blood. It, this is a sign of a new covenant between me and God that was just signified with the bread. It's a new covenant. We're no longer in the old covenant trying to work our way up. 
It's a new covenant. Everyone lift it up. Say it's the new covenant in Jesus' blood. And just say it, I am saved. And then you drink the cup. Mm. Isn't that the best meal you could ever have? Isn't it seriously? Isn't that the best meal? This we are in the new covenant. We are a people that are redeemed by God. We're totally redeemed. We're forgiven. God just demonstrated for us this morning his restoration, and he's not done yet. God isn't only bringing you to a place of, oh, now you're living. God brings you to a place where you're thriving, and you become mighty in the Lord. And that's his intention for these guys, and it is for us. Thank you, Lord. I praise you for your salvation. It is great. Sorry I went over time. I still do not have good time management skills. But I thank you for your redemption. I pray blessings on everyone in Jesus' name. Do I hear amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need more information about Base Camp, come on up and we'll have one of our prayer leaders up here. And if you need prayer, come on up for prayer. And God bless.